0: Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you. We give you all the glory that you are our healer. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Richie, I'm going to call Richie up now. He's going to share something that he um, shared with Sheldon. And uh, Sheldon sent it on to me. And we're going to invite him to come. And just share what, what God has laid on his heart. Um, Caleb, help me just locate the other mic, please. Oh, here we go. Thanks, man. And I'm going to talk to you afterwards what is significant about this, and, and even in line with what I would like to share. Okay? Go.
1: Um, good morning, church. Um, last week, um, when Pastor was praying for the people up here, I saw a thick, a cloud of fire coming down on the people, and I saw chains breaking, strongholds that's been on their life for years or months, keeping stagnated, has been broken off. I also saw um generational curses been broken off. I saw um a lady's hand, the tips of her fingers, of where nails were, were black, and there was like God told me there was witchcraft. Even even the family members over there dealing with it, who, um was were cursed on them or something like that, and God broke it off of their life and. I just saw um, the Holy Spirit also move. And while I was um, seeing this, I uh, felt God blow over me. And it was, I couldn't stop shaking. Even when I was talking to Sheldon, I couldn't stop shaking. And um, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Richie. Well done. Let's turn to God's Word, and I'll come back to what Richie shared this morning. Psalm 145. Psalm 145. I've got a few scriptures to share and I'll skip over some and we'll share it at a later stage. But I think it's just quite helpful for where we're going for this next few weeks. Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. I want to end there. If you have some time, read through the whole passage. But verse 4 says, One generation commends your work to another. So I was researching what this means about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us here at the Bay City Church? But also for those who have read that scripture over time, you keep on coming back to the same thing. Yes, it speaks about your own life and the decision you make. And, we, um, and I understand that the scripture with Joshua, and for some of us we've read through that. But what does that really mean as for me and my house? We will serve the Lord. What, what does it mean practically? For those of you who have children, you will understand that when your child, as you're rearing the child, as you, you understand these things happening in his or her life, you see some shing- things happening and you're like, mm, this is our house? And notice the, the, the times in your family goes up and down and there are different challenges that you have. But you keep on coming back to home. There's times that people even leave their homes because they find it to be an unsafe place. You find in the home, it becomes the nucleus of what happens in our community. See where I'm going. So if God has allowed Joshua to stand and out of the idol worships and everything that has taken place prior to that, for him to stand on the hills and say, "As for me and my house, we're not going to do what you're doing." there's a translation. We're going to stand for what is God-directed. Now, you've got to understand the implications of that declaration. Because if me and my house, we will serve the Lord, means that. And I come and I tell you that I'm in a relationship, female to female, male to male. What does that mean then? If I say that I'm standing as for me and my house... And my son or my daughters on drugs and going through stuff, what does that mean? How does that affect as to me and my house? If it stands in that and there's a divorce or a separation and we got all these things happening and that's why we're so encouraged to start the marriage course again because the home has been under attack for centuries. We must understand this. Now listen. There's going to be a portion you can say the enemy is at work. And yes. And there's a portion that you can attribute to yourself and decisions we make. And then there's also a portion you will attribute to outside influences. And why am I framing this? Because not everything is here. Because for as for me and my house, we must make decisions. For example, in our home, there are nights we don't put on the TV. We play games. Board games. We chat. Because that's a decision we have made. Now you must understand, as for me and my house, they're not even in church this morning. <laughs> How's that? On the day that I must preach on as for me and my house, <laughs> the whole house is not here. That's what what the irony? <laughs> now I can say anything. But I did hear this morning leaving, um, are they gonna record this because we wanna listen afterwards? <laughs> I can't share everything. Oops, sorry, that I wanted to, as for me and my house. So my house, some of them are at Bedside Baptist this morning. Yeah, we had an event yesterday, but also the build up for this week and I was listening to to earlier um with Tino saying with with your child and being sick and actually children I believe. Yeah, life happens, eh? But I want to say this. We must understand that because the families are under attack, we need to understand our position and where we stand. Now, our position is not our opinion. It's important to understand this. I'm going to give you a few scriptures later. Our position and our stance is not in our status and our bank account. Because I've heard this from families too. Because you don't abide to my rules, I'm going to write you out of my will. You're not going to inherit anything. And like, oh, we had nothing in any event. <laughs> so we hear that gets played. As a family, when Tracy and I started to, I think it's called now, Dating, while we well, courted, dated, I don't know how this, what the new terms are, but okay. When we were, and I was going to say the Afrikaans one, but some people will not catch that. It was all like a What does that mean, bock? Uh, spring box? It's fine. So when Tracy and I started um, many years ago, I was looking at Tino. Tino, that happens to me often. I don't remember how long Tracy and I married. I don't even go there. Then Tracy says, Yes, how long? How long? I said, You know how long? Look on the marriage certificate. Because <laughs> some men, women remember that. Some men also, they're good at it. But for me, it's, it's not, I still feel like I'm dating my, my wife, to be honest. And she knows that. The girls tell us, Dad, stop. I'm like, Hey, you saw so here for a reason out of that love that <laughs> we experienced. <laughs> when you leave the house, we will still continue loving each other. Because some couples have chosen to sleep in separate bedrooms. That's reality. I have that in my own family that I've seen. It's a marriage of convenience, I believe, people say. We just try to stay out of each other's hair. It's safer for everybody. Is that true? Then why did we get married in the first place? So when Tracy and I started to to date, the one thing we started to look at, and, and I maybe want to s- explain this. Um, Anthony Giddens is a famous sociologist So at university, at some of the textbooks that, that would be subscribed In terms of sociology. So some sociologists have done a study. And they found out what is the, on average, who gets married out of love, convenience, and anything else. Less than 20% of people get married out of love. Just think about it. When you speak to people and say, hey, so why why do you get married? I just wanted to get out of the house. I couldn't take my mother. I couldn't take all. I wanted my independence. I I got pregnant. The list goes on. But speak to a few people and say, we actually got married out of love. We just loved each other and we wanted to do that. Because that's the foundation and should be the foundation of your marriage. Now listen, read Corinthians 13. Love, don't keep a record of wrongs. But you did something on so and so and day and on that time, I couldn't remember where I put my keys yesterday. Now you're reminding me of 20 years ago of what I did. Sorry Tracy. Like I couldn't remember. Now listen women, sorry ladies, you're very good bookkeepers. The museum must visit you and ask you how do you archive those stuff? Because we've lost our shame at UCT, and I don't want to go there with a the fire. But it was really sad, to be honest. But you're sometimes I wish, in some of, especially in Trace even, that there's just a, a burning of that archives to forget some of that stuff. <laughs> then I must say, okay, Trace, there's a reset button. You know, in your modem you get that. And a certain things go back to factory default. Yeah. Can I just reset that button to go back there? Because you... Guys, I feel your pain. I'm speaking to the guys now, but you know, so love doesn't keep a record of lo- wrongs. Love is patient. That speaks to us as men sometimes. But you find in marriage, and for those that are married and has gone through marriage, life happens. And listen, there's no judgment because you had to get separate or divorce. There's absolutely no judgment. But we've got to understand that that attack was from the beginning of time. And unfortunately, will continue through life. But we've got to also understand, because of that knowledge of that attack, that we stand with the full armor of God and the position that we must take. Part of why we keep on talking about the men's camp and the men's groups is also to get the order of the house right. It's God. Now listen, then we're going to go through different scriptures, but we've got to fully understand that the moment there's no authority in the home, and some of you are are women who are leading your home as single moms, and I want to salute you, because you've got to stand in the spiritual authority that would have been there and should have been there where the father was supposed to be. And I've seen that over the years. But you've got to understand now, as for me and my house, we also got to make decisions. Like I said, my family, we sometimes choose to play games in the evening. We sometimes just have a meal together, because we can't often be together because of assignments, works, and all of that. But there's times we say, let's have a meal together. I was listening to what Tino said and, and his wife said, let's break bread. So we as a family are starting to go back to what we felt is to, to just have that breaking of bread of communion time. Because what we are doing here is just a remembrance. But true communion is around your table. Sitting with your loved ones, sharing a meal, sharing God's scriptures. Farmers in the old days, a little bit more so now still a bit, but traditionally when a farmer plowed this uh, land and and worked the land, he didn't do it on his own. Do you know what he did? Took his children and said, plow the land with me. I was listening to Caleb a few years ago. We were on a Friday. uh, We used to come early morning for prayer. And Caleb uh, shared one morning, I'll never forget, how he used to work the field with his family. And I think you said it was your grandfather and your father with yourself. And it triggered something with me. And um, (laughs) please, please understand this now. There's a lot of scriptures that backs up one generation, third and fourth generation on. If I had the time, I would have read quite a few, but I'm going to read just a few, because this excites me. So when I heard that story of Caleb, and and I read some things about generational, not just curses, but blessings also, that what we do in this generation definitely affects generations to come. Third and fourth, and even thousands of generations. Not just third and fourth, thousands. And so what we are doing, year and even before, is set for an eternal pathway. And so because the enemy understands that, if he can derail you, if he can distract you, if he can throw you off course, then you don't see the impact of what you are doing for generations to come. Because if you pass that blessing on, the generations will get stronger. So there's an attack on the family because of the generation blessings. That exists over us. And it comes from a line from the very beginning. And God through his divine providence. From the beginning of time in Genesis. Right through. Had to rewrite history with an understanding. Don't miss it. Because some generations have missed it. Some generations have abdicated or let go of the authority and the position that God has called them. Some generations did not fulfill the calling of God, and so God had to call someone else to do it in order to let that generation continue. There is enough Bible stories around that. Just allow me to read a few few scriptures. So I'm going to come back to the farming. So when, when a farmer plants a seed, and he calls in his children, male or female, and get involved. And in olden days, it was more the the young boys. Do you know that that crop and that seed at least would yield only a harvest later, sometimes when they are even older. And the trees that was planted will not even be seen in his generation. But he plants the seed for the trees to grow for the next generation. We have lost that as a community, as a modern society. The fact that what we are doing here is setting generations up to come. And it's important to understand that. So what does it mean? The way we live our lives, the way we understand God's word, the way we also stand in the position and the authority to say, that's not coming into my house. Now please listen to me. So as you know, some of you, the story continues with us renovating. So it's still going to be a while. If I preach again, I'll talk about the story renovating until it's done. So just hear that. So now, you know, we've got stuff that came in that has been given and some things that are old that must go. But just picture this in your house. Do you buy furniture just because you want to or do fit in with your house? Because you can see something online or you can go to a store and say, oh, that's nice. You measure up. You say, "Mm, this doesn't fit at all. We have to try something else. And that's furniture. When we come into our own lives and the way we live it, do we just take on anything and see if it fits? We are very selective. And why am I mentioning this? Because what we do is spiritual. We must be very discerning what we allow into our home. Not because it's cheap or it's cost effective or it looks right. But we've got to test it. Sit on it. I'm drawing that as an analogy. Measure it. See if it works. Because if it fits right and we feel comfortable. So when we make a decision in our home, I don't say to the girls, Okay, girls, your mom and I, we spoke through the stuff and now we made a decision we must do the following. Try that in my home. Dad, did you think about this? I've got three voices with that. And what I'm saying is we, at a young age, we taught our girls to be part of a decision-making that we want them to be part of because we want them to understand that principle. Because being in authority and, and, and leading your home doesn't mean you make all the decisions. There are certain things, yes, within reason. But we as a family go through this experience. Are we going to do this? Are we moving? And why am I saying this? Because it's also the same discernment that they will use when they're out there that we have taught them in the home. Unfortunately, and I'm not going to say this in a condemning way, for some of us, we've also missed that opportunity. And here's how we can make that up. Through our prayer time, through our current engagement, (laughs) through bringing alignment into our homes again, where we felt we've missed it. God is a God of grace. And He understands that that authority that is placed over us as a husband and a wife, if you're a single mom leading your home, you can stand in that same authority and declare what is right over your home spiritually first. Now let me explain this. Because we have found that when when Joshua stood there and said, as for me and my house... He didn't just say it because it was nice to say. He said it with the understanding that I'm not going to let the world come into my house and dictate that we must uh, um, worship these false gods. There were a few other things that happened at that time. What he did is he stood in authority and a position. And what I'm asking us to do today is to firstly stand in the position and the authority that we've called. As for me and my house, we're going to stop certain things. And we're not going to allow certain stuff to come in. But now we were always used to doing it in that way. Well, we tried. It didn't work. It's important to understand that. Because when we are the gatekeepers of our home, we will protect the home from everything else. And here's why I'm asking us to do that. Because some people have allowed that to come into the home, we see the outworking of that in our communities and what's taking place. If you ask me, well, how do we reduce crime? go back to the home. How do we reduce drug addiction? Let's go back to the home. How do we reduce all the the things that we see in our communities? Let's go back to the home. As a government, as an organization, as a church, if we go back to the homes, we will impact the communities much more. It's very important. We get the right messages into the home. I've seen this, and it's not just a South African thing, and it's most probably one of my, my pet peeves. If you drive by and you see somebody just throwing something out of the car, you, does it just do something for you? I'm like, oh, you just kept it in your car, man. No, it's biodegradable. No. And I'm saying this because what is the culture of that? Where does it get taught? Do they watch a movie and see somebody flick out a, a cigarette butt or something out? It's sometimes also what we do in our home, and, and here's the part. If you are clean in your home, if you are good in your cleaning up your room, if you are good in terms of doing certain stuff, then it translates to how we do things out there. Courtesy. We, we were yesterday at an event uh, called the Night, uh, Night Run, which was a celebration of nurses in the Western Cape and the health professionals. We had about over a, close to 1,000 give-and-take uh, people. The numbers aren't in yet. And you know, what I, what I found encouraging, Terry Basson started the organization, and Tracy and I with Siakula and others, we were involved, and they had a band that they were giving to the nurses, and out of that, they just took scriptures, but just out of respect and things, and put it around this band. And I thought yesterday, do we need to carry those things to tell us to be respectful and kind? Isn't that supposed to be... Innate in us in terms of how we teach, the courtesy of saying thank you. Do you know how many times you come to places and people don't even say thank you? And I'm like, hmm, where does it come from? Do you hear where I'm going with this? As for me and my house, we will teach people to say thank you. As for me and my house, we will teach our children and their children and the generations to come to know eternity is at hand in them. And so what we are doing here is to make sure, and I'm so mindful, Ray, that the word that you shared a few weeks ago about the young people and the children, as for me and this house, we need to prepare the way. Because we must understand it's a mixture of generations that is required. Now, Now, some people say, oh, you're just throwing us oldies along the wayside. No. We need to make sure that the generation that is behind us is not missed. And I can be honest with you. For me, at the age that I'm at now, I felt that we've missed some generations behind us. I honestly felt that. When I speak to people and what I see, in, in communities when research is done on gang violence, do you know that for 40,000 to 45,000 people in a Nova Park, it's 1,000 to 1,500 people that's causing trouble? Do the math. In Freygrond, with a square area of over one kilometre, Close to 50 now, 55,000 people. It's under 2,000 people that's involved with crime and gang activity. In Harlem, in the USA, it's a small pocket of people holding a whole community in Chicago and other areas hostage in terms of gang violence. Do you get where I'm going with this? So if we are the salt, we are the light, I I like baking bread and... um, we asked Joe um, that she need to teach us the rolls that she made, because I've made the rolls before. I see that hand, brother. I'll pray for you.
1: <laughs>
0: so I honestly love baking bread. And I haven't done it in a while. But you know what? When, when, when I learned the principle, you take a small packet of yeast, and you mix it with flour. So it would be a small packet to two to four cups, depending on the volume. So it's four cups of flour to almost like equivalent to two teaspoons of yeast. So if God's word says that we are the yeast, that's what his word says, we are the yeast. And we go into the community, what must cause that to rise up? It's us. So it's at the moment, we're living out of fear in our country, out of a small group of people, when it requires spiritually is where we must stand in authority. We need to take our place. I'm going to read one or two scriptures and I'm going to wrap this up because we're going to share communion. Like I said, i got a lot to say. But I just felt I want to lay the foundation and I'll keep on sharing over different times a few scriptures that God has laid on my heart and others. Let me read a few more and then we're going to conclude. Joshua 22:28 says, Therefore, we said that it will be when they say this to us, or to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is the replica of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, through not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. Whatever we do, will stand as altars for generations to see and come. There's a scripture, that, let me just read this one as I close, that I simply loved. Second Kings 10.30 says, And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons will sit at the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. So what we do will cause our children to walk in the blessing of what we've done before. And some of you have done that. And thank you for doing that. Well done. It's not all doom and gloom. Some of you have walked before, and out of that, you didn't even birth biological sons and daughters, spiritual ones as well, and you see them walking in that same blessing, because that principle applies. For those of you who have father hearts and mother hearts, who are, have adopted certain people spiritually, that same principle applies. You've prepared a way for generations to come. Why are we ask even Richie, besides what God laid on his heart to share, in that that is shared? is that we are impacting generations. What we are doing here at the Bay, and what we're going to continue to do for the next few years, is to build into what is to come, until the Lord comes and meets us face to face. We meet, need to understand that we got to plant into our youth. We've got to plant into the children. we got to look at how we do life and church, with that in mind, and as we Across the generations, impart that knowledge. The other scriptures that I had is that it's our responsibility to train the generation. So what you are seeing in the next few weeks is different generations coming through. I can't say that Tony's in my league now anymore. That's what she says, Uncle Edel. And uh, Caleb also says uncle, but he just wants to say uncle. But you see the generational thing. You're going to see more voices coming through. Lydia, another generation. Now, the fact that the children go that way and we are here also means that how do we connect? And we, we want to look at this practically as a church. How do we connect with one generation to the next and not miss that opportunity? I think of Jude, Archie sitting here, and others who have known each other for years. We are keep, we're going to keep on pushing in from one generation to the next. What we are going to do as a leadership, some of us, we are going to step more and more back in terms of our front roles because we want to mentor and coach behind the scenes. That's what we've been working through for the last few months. There are work parties happening with groups. There are core leaders. There are others, and God is tugging at your heart. And I love what was shared this morning, that the gifts that you have, and I, I said amen to that prayer because it's the gift that you have that God has planted in you is to serve the body of Christ. Not the base the church. The kingdom of God. And whatever that looks like, now please. But Errol, you know, you don't understand I've been hurt. I get that. I shared my testimony. I sat here for years. And, but there comes a time when God calls us to action. There comes a time in us doing. And out of that, I think of Tino and Latasha who's here to share with the couples now and that to come comes out of their pain and the experience. Now listen, they, like Uche and Ada and others, and, and that big man there, the, uh, Tabu, that you just called, ooh, I should, ooh, the big man, no, And Diana, it comes out of, this is the thing, and some people run away and say, no, I don't want them people to know my business. Please, it's a way, now let me explain it this way. Do you take your car for a service before it breaks down or when it breaks down? In your warranty, it says you've got to take it, regularly. Because in that way, you're making sure the breakdown doesn't happen or cross the way. Now some of us, we wait till the car breaks down and then we take it to the mechanic because that tells us it's broken. But what if we prevent certain things to make sure that the oil gets checked and if the light goes on, we don't ignore it. We actually throw oil in and if it still goes on, mechanic, can you sort this out? Do you see where I'm going with this? Marriages must be worked on continuously because in that way, we don't wait for it to break down and then fix it. We can do preventative things before the time. It's important for us to understand this. The last thing I would like to say is that as for me and my house, we have made a decision that we will love each other irrespective of. We had this meeting a while back. and said and There was a couple of discussions we had. Around when we meet with family and friends and how we communicate with each other in our home, Um, some girls would say, Dad, you know, you you don't need to talk about this and and embarrass us. I'm like, okay, but then you don't need to talk about this and embarrass me. And I'm like, cool. So we set that understanding, and then we came up to this understanding. When we go there, we will always protect each other. As a family, we spoke through that. Why am I mentioning this? Because sometimes we think within the home, what we reflect there, people will overlook and not see. People see it. And we don't come with a pretense, we come with authentic genuineness about us, because it's in there that we can win people to Christ. It's in there that they will see us what and all, and sometimes a disagreement. So now we've got some young men into our lives, and we had to sit down because, you know, when we've got three girls,, like, yeah, where are you, Richard? I got the shotguns ready here. Oh, no, is da! Alles is. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm glad they also not here. <laughs> And so we spoke through fun, some principal things. It said, no problem to visit our daughters, but let's set the boundaries. Let's look at time. Let's look at their body. Let's look at certain things. Not, and not everything must be spiritual also. Uh, yes, you must sit in Bible study and pray together. and then, Because oh, that doesn't happen all the time. We set healthy boundaries to a point. I said, guys, can I ask you as you come and visit my, my daughters, can we have a meal together? And we, just the three of us, have lunch together, breakfast, walk, do things. And so that's been happening. Of course, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will set a standard according to God's word. Not my opinions and views. Because truthfully, that doesn't hold water. I'm going to invite us to share communion. I want to read God's word as we wrap this up. So First Corinthians 11 says from 23, For I have received from the Lord that I also pass unto you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper he took the cup saying This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink and in remembrance of me. For whatever you eat, Sorry, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when you eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord, and in an unworthy manner, you will be guilty of sinning against your body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. The word of God says, let's first examine ourselves. And let's do this in the remembrance of him. These symbols that are here is a reminder of that cross of Calvary that he's died for us. And out of that is God's perfect salvation plan. And for some of us, when we come and we receive the Lord Jesus Christ once, we don't need to come back again and ask for salvation. We just need to do it once. And out of that, we walk out our salvation. Why am I saying that? Because we found in this church that some people have come for the same altar call after 10, 15, 20 years because they're unsure of their salvation. You just need to do that once. It's important. And it's out of that that God's Word says that if you you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over your life, you will spend the next eternity with Him. And the difference there is that you've got to stay true to God's Word and the calling. I'm going to ask us just for a moment, Keith, if you can just put some music on, please, just for a moment. I know, I know what time it is. That we just examine ourselves. Because the challenge out for this next few days and weeks is as for me and her, her, my house, we will serve the Lord, Lord. We are cleaning up. We are throwing away things we don't need as a household. If that's spiritually what you need to do, and physically, let's do that. Let's clean our house. Let's get our house in order. That we, word went out months ago. And so as the, the song is playing, just for a moment, let's examine ourselves. Now listen, this is between us and God. Maybe after this you need to go and ask for forgiveness. Or going to just speak to somebody in your home. And just get your house in order around things. I'm doing the same. And it's not as a judgment call. It's just an alignment call so that we can clean up things to make sure that God will take us to where He needs to go. we need to go. Lord, we thank you for the symbols that we're going to have right now through what represents your blood in your body. Thank you, Father God, for the cross of Calvary. Thank you that today, Father God, it's through your perfect salvation plan that we have an eternal hope in you. Lord, we pray as we partake now as a, as a body of Christ and as a group of believers that we will, Father God, take stock of our lives and be mindful that your coming is so near. And be mindful that we need to, Father God, declare over our homes. As for me and my house, we will, we will serve the Lord. Lord, our heart's desire is to please you. Our heart's desire is to, Father God, do what you require of us. So, Father, we ask that you lead us and guide us as we partake of these symbols right now. And then, Father God, we pray for the week that lies ahead. Won't you bless us and be with us? Protect us and keep us safe, Lord. Be with us in our workplaces, study places, in our homes, wherever we find ourselves. We ask that the angels of the Lord will watch over us and the blood of Jesus will cover us. Lord, we continue to, Father God, understand that as we walk on this earth, that we have choices to make day by day. Grant us the wisdom. Lord, we pray for your divine favor, your divine blessing in Jesus' name. So as you come with, and have communion, please, we encourage you to leave And for those who would like to stay for ministry, there will be a team here that will minister with you. God bless you. Have a good week. And we're just encouraged by what God is doing here. Amen.